Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many yeah, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little... Or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey, White Sox fans, my name is Brett Valentini. I'm lucky enough to host Southside Sox on the Farm Podcast. This is number 23. I didn't actually think I'd be talking to this guy, this guy in the Mets hat, if you're watching the Mets hat. I didn't think I'd be talking to him for this one, but uh, Sean Williams, even though he wrote, uh, and it's linked, uh, it's linked in the post for this podcast, he wrote the uh, Arizona Complex League uh, season review, was not able to join us for a podcast, so... Even though I said all those sweet things about you last time, the Canapolis podcast, Darren, I do I have to take them all back mm-hmm. now? And maybe we have to roll those credits back out in another couple of podcasts because you're you're back. You're like yeah. you're like but you're just the your thing that wouldn't leave, thing wouldn't die. You are back for more. You're gonna do the full run of all five of these season review podcasts, plus plus a bonus. Uh so welcome, welcome back, Darren. You know, if you watch these. You might not believe, you know, Darren, great friend of mine, you know, let's face it, my roommate, great friend. Um, You were what, you know, and uh, don't let his youthful uh, good looks uh, uh, betray you. You were what? You were one or two classes ahead of me, both uh, graduated from Louisville High School, suburban Chicago area. You were a couple of years. I remember you picking on me at the locker. So uh, two years, I think. Well, at any rate, Darren, a couple of years ahead of me, but from the same, you know, same school, you know, we, we, we go back and clearly his expertise on the minor league system is rubbed off on me based on all the very intelligent comments and questions I have for him. So <laughs> let's jump right into it. We're going to do a double uh, two-team thing. Still might not go very long, Darren. We're going to go rookie league. So we are going to start in Arizona, the Arizona Complex League. White Sox finished 25 and 34, 14 games behind whoever the first place team was. 
Uh, 13th best team out of 18. Uh, I was, I was hoping like Arizona was actually pretty okay, but they're really not very good either. The fact that they were only nine games below 500 is like a big, big achievement for a, a White Sox minor league team this year. Uh, but there were some fairly significant breakout players, or at least some guys that would catch some attention. It seems like maybe more with bats, but uh, maybe give me a couple of bats in your mind who, who really distinguished themselves, whether they were like legitimately promoted in the season or not, you know, guys, you sort of have your eye on. Yeah, sure though. So there are probably a couple, and I'll keep the draft pick guys outside of this. Um, but Misael Gonzalez, uh, he was legitimately promoted um, just because of how well he was doing. He just like kept hitting extra base hits, kept hitting homers. Yeah. Um, and eventually he finally got promoted. He wasn't there very long. Um, unfortunately, when he got to Kannapolis, he wasn't as fantastic. And you probably could have seen um, why that was. But he, the power didn't leave when he went to Kannapolis. Um, just strictly speaking, in Arizona, he had 11 extra base hits compared to 12 singles, which is fantastic. Good. Five of those were homers, which is also fantastic. Um, his main problem is that he just strikes out a lot. Um, like I know everyone strikes out, but like he does that more than the normal, yeah. um, at least one a game, which isn't fantastic for a guy that relies on power and doesn't really walk much. Um, but he's also 20. So got a, got a lot, got a lot, got a lot of years to go. Um, next season will be big for him since it will be his kind of, I guess, first real professional season. Um, since he's going to probably start in Kannapolis in April playing baseball, usually, or well, in Arizona, you start in, I think this year was June, like a week or two after the, or before the draft, something like that. Um, So next year will be his first big real season. So a lot to look forward there. And then Wilford Barris was just a surprising guy, like overall, that Mm -hmm. he was even in the ACL to begin with. Um, And he crushed it. Um, I mean, I guess he didn't like crush it, crush it. He relied a lot more on gap power than normal power, though he did have a decent ISO at over 200. Um, he batted 322 WRC plus in the 140s. He is only 18, so that's pretty significant. Um, just, I mean, concerning thing is a really high BABIP, um, and he does get a lot of singles, so we'll just kind of see how that goes going forward. Because um, he's so young, I'm not really sure where he's going to start next year. He could easily start in the ACL again just to kind of like prove that he's actually was as good as he was, but um, he also just might be in the AC or in Kannapolis next year too, because there's not really anybody keeping him in a spot at kind of like a corner infield. And what's uh, that, what was nice about Varus too, in addition to the fact that he just want the hell out of the ball, is that when uh, West after the draft, when, when West Cath uh, came aboard, it seemed like again this isn't the most challenging move, but he went from being a third baseman yeah. to first base. He seemed to hold those positions, but you know not nobody fields well, I guess, in, in Arizona, but, um, you know, it seemed competent. Uh, and for a guy who, I guess, though he is a very large man is considers third base his natural position, uh, you know, just good to know you can move across the, the diamond and, and not have it at least affect, uh, your bat. Um, two big bats in Gonzalez's case, Darren, uh, he's a guy, I think we've talked about a few others, uh, this year who have done this. He's a guy who sort of played his way sort of back into maybe a little more serious contention with all the, uh, you know, with all the negatives might, that might still be attached to him. He's sort of back in the picture where even though still very young, he had maybe he was on the fringe or maybe he had drifted out of it uh, before this season. 
Yeah, and I think a lot of that is just really because he was drafted out of high school 2019. Um, again, there is no season next year. I, I'll repeat that yeah. like 30 more times. <laughs> um, so he didn't really have that extra year to like prove it. Um, I don't really consider when you're drafted and then go play as like really truly a barometer of what the type of player you might be. Um, a, because it's probably the longest you've ever played baseball in a year and probably yeah. the most you've ever played baseball in a year. Um, so we kind of look for that second season to see what you're doing. Um, and he kind of proved that here. I don't know if he's going to be ranked in the top 30s necessarily because he was like pretty bad in Kannapolis. Um, but next year is just going to be big in general just to kind of separate him from are you a guy that maybe we can watch in the future, which was the guy he was in the ACL. Or are you the guy that was in uh, kind of yeah. low A? Are you just kind of like a lesser Bryce Bush? Are you just going to kind of yeah. do well against your own right. peers and then not really continue yeah. going forward? Um, so next year will be big for him. Let's uh, let's get to the draft picks in a second, uh, at least the hitting draft picks. Uh, Darren, uh, let's uh, share. We'll probably be old news by now, but maybe some of you are otherwise distracted by the great professional basketball team in town and the horrific professional hockey team in town, and maybe are just not keeping up with baseballs as much as usually are. We did just get word this evening that I believe fifth rounder at any rate, uh, 2021 draft choice, Tanner McDougal, who showed out pretty decently, I think, in Arizona. Mm -hmm. Definitely was a guy they felt was really key to taking it from being a maybe a good or an average draft to a really good one by inking him. Uh, unfortunately injured, has Tommy John surgery, will very likely miss 2022, a setback the White Sox didn't need, in particular because their lower-level arms, aside from the guy we're going to talk in the second half of this podcast, Darren, are uh, sort of weak. Uh, but Tanner did have a pretty strong Arizona season. I guess another guy, Tommy Summer, sort of did pretty well coming right into things. But uh, arms-wise, Arizona wasn't exactly the the, the place. No, and it, and I mean, it really wasn't because uh, Sean Burke, uh, their, yeah. I think it was their highest draft pick, actually was promoted to Kannapolis um, yeah. after like a few innings because right. he was actually out of college. The rest of the guys were out of high school, so they're obviously not going to move much. Um, I guess Tanner McDougal might have moved, not moved much for a different reason, um, but he is young, so he'll miss a season, and we'll see where he's at in 2023. I think that's how mm -hmm. math works, yeah. So I think just kind of put that in the back of your brain. We'll see how it goes, but yeah, yeah it's mostly about the hitting with this draft now um, that he is uh, going to miss a whole entire year. But Darren, we laugh. I laugh. I think you laugh too, uh, at how bad, you know, this system's records, because let's face it, when the team was not in its so-called window of contention, the way it is now, it's not like the system was like great either record wise. And I know records don't matter, but again, records, they, they keep them. They, they actually declare a winner and a loser. But what I want to know, Darren is, I mean, I understand that in a way it's sort of like a, it's a rigged question when I say like, geez, there wasn't much pitching in Arizona. Cause you're right. You point out that Burke gets moved up very quickly because he's right. He, he clearly can handle the, the competition in Arizona. So you want to get him up to a level that he's going to be challenged, not crushed by. Right. So I get that in a way the system is built so that there's always going to be this sort of strange churn going on where it's like, you know, you, you don't want your team to be too good at the expense of the mm -hmm. rest of your system. 
But on the other hand, Darren, I mean, we look at the Tampa Rays this year who had <laughs> perhaps the best minor league organizational uh, season yeah. Maybe ever, especially now that everything is sort of equal, even though the White Sox still choose to field less teams than, he, than they could and all that. There's not a lot of range. This isn't like the Cardinals when they had 600 minor league teams and maybe the White Sox then were only, you know, fielding five in the 50s or something. An equal playing field and Tampa, I presume, pushes guys like Burke up when they uh, deserve to be pushed up as well. The White Sox don't ever seem, they seem to rarely ever have the depth that says, yeah, we can take as many hits and there's just going to be another guy coming up. I understand at a certain point, you can only field 26 guys in your major league team. So at a certain point, it's just like weird trophies on your shelf. But at the same time, are we ever going to have a system like this? Here? Are we ever yeah. going to just be able to say, just plug a new guy in because this system is that uh, intense and that talented? Yeah. Um I, I'm not sure. Cause obviously when they were doing the, let's try to win every year, they would just, their first round draft picks would either just not work out um, or they just trade them or their young guys would be on the major league team, like Marcus Semyon and they didn't like prove themselves quick enough and they were traded, which looks pretty bad now. Uh, <laughs> Cause now we all A different podcasts, yeah. um, but um, we're at this point where it's kind of like a, I mean, I'm never going to think the White Sox are going to be the Rays. I mean, they might have, like, Wander Franco might be the best player in baseball next season, and I wouldn't mm -hmm. be surprised if he was. Mm -hmm. um, and the Rays just kind of found him. Mm -hmm. um, I know the White Sox don't uh, go and find a lot of guys in the international draft uh, pool, or not draft, uh, prospect pool. Um, I know they're signing more guys recently, but they're still trading some bonus space uh, when necessary, though sometimes it's completely fine um others it's kind of worthless they just want to get rid of a contract so they'll include some uh international prospect money just for whatever um but they really haven't been hitting in their drafts recently um and for the most part after the during the rebuilding contending window rebuilding window um they were drafting college guys to get up with their pretty older prospects that they just acquired um, to get them on the same schedule, which makes complete sense. Like, I don't really have a problem with them doing that, but they didn't, you know, Jake Berger didn't work or has not worked out until maybe now we'll see. Mm -hmm. um, but Zach Collins and Zach Birdie is not even in the organization any longer. Um, and then Nick Madrigal is not in the organization any longer. Um, so you've got just kind of some big drawbacks. Um, and we'll see. I mean, it might look a lot better if Gavin Sheets and Jake Berger are actually the players that they showed to be. Um, maybe we'll be rethinking that a bit. Um, but now they're starting to draft more high schoolers. Uh, Tanner McDougal, unfortunately, was one of them. Mm -hmm. So that's going to be put on the back burner there. But Colson Montgomery, West Cath, their top two picks are high schoolers. I think that's just going to be their trajectory for the next few years because they don't need people. Right. I mean, obviously, they have holes at second base. Uh, they need another starter. They need another reliever. Yeah. Um, but those are holes that yeah. you can plug it's and play not, in different ways. It's not 26 open spots the way it's been. Yeah, not any longer. Right. Yeah, they, they have very specific holes. So yeah. now they're just trying to make the organization just better as a whole. Yeah. Um, and it'll, it'll take a while. Um, I really want them to sign. I mean, they'll get the top guys in the international draft pool out of Cuba, it seems like, all the time. Mm -hmm. um, but they just don't sign a bunch. Uh, they really use their money for one or two people 
and then trade away some of it they don't even want to spend. And I hope they change that. Yeah. Um, but it's a whole kind of a turnover of the system that's really starting to get younger now. Mm -hmm. um, and we'll kind of see how that works. Um, but it, they might even trade some of their younger guys now to help the yeah. team now. So yeah. it's really, and that's the right move. I'm not yeah. going to fault them if they trade Colson Montgomery next year right. um, to get a better guy at the deadline. That's not a bad idea. It's just they got to keep getting younger and younger and younger, and then there'll be waves after this core in the major league face in the majors team is gone. Yeah. Um, I mean, for, for all the ways that Ken Williams would get, you know, sort of roundly, you know, chortled out um, from the prospect crew. I mean, the name of the game is to have the best 26 guys on your major league team and you don't get any yeah. sort of like a bonus as much as I just sort of led with that weird question a few minutes ago uh you know as much as it'd be nice to have all these teams doing well instead of like trying to figure out who the worst of the worst of the worst is among all these teams uh be nice if you could settle somewhere in between there and credit due the white Sox did have an enormous number of first and second round draft choices uh contributing to a 93 win team in the major leagues that is the name of the game you, we can we can pick on zach collins but i guess I guess he could, he was on the roster. He was good enough, you know, good enough to be. Yeah, uh, and when the there. team wins 73 games, you can say, well, look, well, this was this clown show. When it wins 93 games, you can say, okay, well, you know, that they, they're doing what yeah. they were drafted uh, to do. Um, uh, so let's, I guess you sort of teased the direction uh, the draft uh, is going to be going maybe in the near future and did this year. And that is uh, high school, in this case, high school bats, uh, Colson Montgomery, West Cath, both ended up holding up pretty well in Arizona. It seemed um, justifying their, uh, the faith the team has in them. Uh, tell me a little about both of those guys. They seem like they've had a um, optimistic start to their White Sox careers. Yeah, so um, I will start out and reiterate, um, like, if it's nice to see some bats confirm that they were drafted at this place, but I'm not going to hang a huge hat if they do poorly or if, you know, one has an astounding, outstanding season, I'm not going to be like, this is, call them up to double A next year right now. Um, that's not how that works. Mm -hmm. But they both did uh, their thing. Uh, West Cass showed decent pop, especially early. Later on, he just kind of started striking out a lot more than he was at, at the beginning of his uh, tenure, but um, strikeouts were a concern of his, so that's kind of confirming the scouting report, but he will just have to work on them a ton. I think it was like over two a game, which is not good, yeah. um, but he's 18, so just kind of got to get used to that and see if he improves each year. Um, Colson Montgomery, um, he was mostly just showing professional at-bats, like he was getting on base almost 40% of his at-bats, um, which is obviously awesome. Um, he just wasn't showing any power at all, which is not going to be him in the future. Um, like, again, these guys are have never played baseball into September, and they've never played as many games as they had until this point in their life. So I'm guessing that power is just kind of sapped by the end. Um, but overall, it was it was promising. Colson Montgomery much more so than West Cap, which is good. First round pick doing better than a lower round pick is what should happen. Um, so looking forward to these two to see where they are next year. Hopefully both can Annapolis, um, and then we'll see how they go from there. We're going to table my uh, my guy, my Jose Rodriguez for 2021, Terrell Tatum. We're gonna we're gonna table talk about him because we will. Let's talk about one guy who really and we've we've alluded to him already because I think we maybe spoke on him a little bit with Canapolis. 
Um, and I suppose we'll put it in some extra focus with the second half of this rookie uh, uh, podcast, talking DSL, but a guy who was a monster in the DSL, which made it seem like a guarantee he was going to find great success, untouchable in trade, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Benjamin Bailey uh, failed with the aggressive assignment and then really did not bounce back and recover at all in Arizona. And where where does this guy go? Is there a way that they, yeah. they they're going to just try to scrub his memory of 2021 so he can just come back fresh 2022? Yeah, I mean that's what you really have to do at this point because he really was just not good. Um, I know Canapolis definitely seemed like too hard of an assignment. I know they were probably expecting a lot more of him just because of how great he was in the DSL. Showed great plate discipline and that just disappeared. Um, uh, I'm really curious to see with a lot of these young guys, how they do uh, like a year after playing baseball, after the pandemic um, coming off of uh, no routine whatsoever and kind of getting back into the, I'm a professional. This is my job, kind of a routine in the off season. Um, but he, he got demoted from Canapolis. He showed better plate discipline. He walked more, but he still struck out 30% of the time in the Arizona complex league, which is not, he's better than that. He should not have a 30% K rate in the ACL. Even if he's 19, um, we thought he was better than that. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, he's got all the tools, 6'4", 180. He could be a monster if he can, or 200. He could be a monster if he actually gets it all together. Mm -hmm. Um, But he, out of any of the guys that did poorly this year, he's the most frustrating. um, And he probably should be downgraded the most just because he, I mean, he he was bad. Yeah. <laughs> Not to sugarcoat it. This is the most, this is, we're going to see the effect of it most extremely, or we did see it this season. The loss of the Pioneer League is, I imagine the minor leagues are going to adjust to not having that step, which was really a key step. You're going from glorified pony league. I know that's excessive, but you know, in Arizona and you're going from whatever DSL is, which is just really like feeling your way through being a professional player to then full season ball in Canapolis, which is still low A, but this full season ball travel, uh, a, a culture issue that isn't even the same in the complex in Arizona. Um, missing that step, not that, not that Montana was like some great relief, but in terms of what the competition level was, I mean, that seemed to be like the half step that would really benefit a lot of players. Bailey is probably the one guy that really stood out, not the only guy, but the one guy who really stood out as who might've really been as much as, as cold as he would have been up there in the, in the, uh, in the mountains uh, would have really benefited from having an opportunity to at least start in a pioneer league is, is this short sightedness on the part of the major leagues and what they've done with the minor leagues will organizations, uh, they'll have no choice, but to adjust, but uh, certainly some players and maybe organizations as a whole, might not adjust, especially when you're talking about a White Sox team that does, they do not max out their minor league teams. Uh, they, they don't have the, they're not fielding maximum number of players that can't be helping either. Yeah. I, it's just a, uh, it's just a struggle to uh, like analyze that just because there wasn't a season last year. So I'm not sure if it's just, True. they just didn't play. Um, Cause if there was a 2020 Benjamin Bailey probably starts in, uh, great balls if there was if there was a great ball um, and he probably in 2021 would have started in Canapolis unless he did extremely well in 2020 and did a Jose Rodriguez and starts in Winston-Salem kind of right. deal um, 
but I, I wish I had listened to our first podcast or second podcast or whatever, when we were in an, analyzing like where everyone was placed. I know for a fact, I said, this was aggressive, but I really want to look back and see if I thought this was a bad idea or a good idea. Mm-hmm. Cause I think it's fine. The decision was fine to start the year, but he just was so bad. And they kind of, I hope it doesn't wreck his confidence. Um, Cause he did he again he did poorly in the Arizona complex league too he didn't kind of go there and uh, do a Luis Maeses and do really mm-hmm. well once he was demoted right. he kept on doing poorly better yeah. but still bad yeah um, so the, his start next year is going to be very important because I assume it's going to be in Canapolis again um, I I guess I wouldn't be surprised if he starts in the ACL but I assume I'm assuming it's Canapolis um, and how he does early on is going to be pretty important um, cause it seems like once he's down, he's, he's down, doesn't get out of it. I want to believe Darren, that you had the exact right call in that very first farm podcast, but you're wearing a Mets hat and at risk of angering all our Mets, White Sox fan, like, you know, Go there's like a strong, it. yeah, there's a strong alliance there at risk of angering them. Um, no. that's not exactly backing that you made the right call early on, but anyway, <laughs> we don't need to dig too deep into that. Hey, you know what? Even though this is the Rookie Leagues, we are going to squeeze in a commercial message. Sorry, everybody. You're going to have to wait a minute before we get to the Dominican Summer League. Hold tight. We'll be back for a very brief discussion about the DSL in just a second. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hey, White Sox fans. It is Southside Sox on the farm podcast. Oh, my God. 23 podcasts, Darren. Can you believe it? You've been around for almost every one of them, and oh, you're a better man for it. Uh, We talked in the first half. I don't think we'll call it a half because it's going to be by far the majority chunk of this as we squeeze in a commercial late about the Arizona Complex League. Let's move on now, Darren, to the league that we really shoot more in the dark on than any other because it's, well, it's farthest away. They play all their games at like 630 in the morning. Uh, The White Sox, of course, easier to track because they only have one team, even though there are, hold on, there are 46 teams in the Dominican Summer League, the White Sox field, one of them. Yes, that is the Chicago White Sox, not the Omaha White Sox or the Denton, Texas White Sox. Uh, They were 26 and 33, basically a a carbon copy of the Arizona Complex League, nearly the same record. They were fourth of six in their division. I believe they are tied with one of the 18 Cubs Dominican teams for 33rd best in the Dominican Summer League. So again, not a great season. We've seen worse. Darren, you remember worse. Worse was about a five and eight hundred uh, season uh, oh. a couple of years back, but uh, uh, we've also seen better. 
let's try not to just talk about Norhe Vera, but it's hard pretty much not to just talk about Norhe Vera because by 2022, he is probably leapfrogged the triumvirate of uh, arms in Kannapolis as probably by head and shoulders, the best young, young lower arm in the system. What did the Dominican summer league performance of his tell you aside from the fact he completely outclassed the very, very young men playing in that league? Uh, well, I mean, I saw Twitter videos of him throwing high 90s, which is not that, bad. <laughs> that's a, that's a takeaway. I don't really take away much from a season. Just, sure. It was 19 innings. I mean, he allowed zero runs and struck out 50% of the <laughs> batteries he faced. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. Yeah. Okay. I'm not um, an yeah. analyst, but that uh, sounds pretty good. But yeah, he was clearly better than this competition. Um, it was kind of like a Luis. Robert feel almost mm. I mean, no runs 19 innings so we just kind of crushed it um i assuming he's going to be in winston-salem because that's what Luis robert did not that they're the same prospect mm. but kind of similar ages and crushed the dsl similarly um so hoping he's there in winston-salem yeah i'm not sure if joe kelly andrew dolquist or matthew thompson are going to get promoted um there's also not really much coming from the acl now that Tanner McDougal is now hurt. Right. So not really anybody pushing them. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, Norgay Vera played well um, and he looks good, but DSL is hard to take into once you get into uh, American baseball, as we can see with Benjamin Bailey, as we talked yeah. about earlier. Just imagine if they decide to play it a little conservative with Vera. And of course, probably I would think that these other three guys do have to repeat. I mean, they weren't even all fully healthy. So, I mean, you've got potentially a starting rotation in Kannapolis that as much as they were ballyhooed last year and sort of failed, it's going to be even crazier. You add the diamond of the system into what is still three pretty promising arms. Uh, Certainly the White Sox are going to put a lot of uh, pressure and hope on those guys. That's going to be a that would be a ridiculous starting rotation. I almost want to see it just for a couple of weeks, yeah. just to know it's like, holy cow. Wow. Uh, Jared Kelly's your fourth starter. That's, uh, that's sort of insane, but uh, yeah. Okay. It's uh, safe to say that he, cause he just cut through the DSL like a knife through butter. He will be getting um, what you would might consider on paper an aggressive assignment, but based on the fact that um, he still hasn't given up a run would probably yeah. uh, indicate that he can maybe take it a bit older. Yeah. And, and, and Darren, in your write-up, thank you for doing it. I sort of threw that at you late. That again is running live on site along with this podcast here on Friday. Uh, you did write about some hitters. I'm not sure if you just flipped the coin or picked names out of a hat, but if you didn't, please tell me why you wrote about who you did uh, indicating perhaps some promise or guys worthy of attention. Yeah. So the, they're both did pretty well. Um, there's not a ton of guys and they're young. That's another thing. They're both played this year at 17, which is a big deal for doing a DSL thing. You don't want somebody in your twenties doing well, um, unless they are a top prospect like Norgay Vera, then that's just kind of confirmation bias. But for these guys, Manuel Garman, just kind of, he was a kind of a slapstick hitter. Um, he just did pretty well. He got a lot of contact, um, and just, you know, just, you can't only talk about Vera. So um, here's a guy that just did pretty well. Um, and then uh, Victor Quezada, he was just a guy with big power uh, for the DSL, just a guy to keep on, to keep a lookout on for big power. Um, he also walked a lot. Um, the only concerning thing for him was that the K rate was near 30%, which is not fantastic for the DSL. But when he got a hold of it, 
Uh, it was going far, or at least a double, sometimes homers. Um, but he, both of those guys were fine. They didn't really sign a lot of good international prospects besides Vera this year, or I guess Yoki Cespedes as well, but he's sure. much older. Yeah. Um, so those two guys are really a big bunch ahead of the rest of the people they signed. Um, and you can just look at their stats too. There's really only a few good guys that did pretty well. Um, even though I think Eloy Jimenez, Jimenez's uh, nephew is on the team. I don't know the family relation on there, but Cesar is there. Yeah, I think so. I think that's his brother, isn't it? I think that's brother? his little brother. Because he used to be, wasn't he Enoy or something? He's, didn't he, he's, he's the guy who switched yeah. his name like a bunch yeah. of times. I think, yeah, I think that's his brother. Name. Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. And believe me, I am not the analyst. He was here. one of the, the better guy. guys on the team, but he... It was a second go around. But he still wasn't that great. So, <laughs> yeah, just to keep that in mind. I guess that says a lot. Um, I know Quezada was. I think Garyman was as well. But does it seem to hold in what you have um, studied with these guys? The guys who get the actual legit bonuses of you know six figures are those the guys who usually hit the ground running in DSL, assuming they they start there uh, oh, yeah. pretty well, uh, or is it pretty much a crapshoot? And sometimes you get those uh, funny guys who sneak through, like maybe ben- Benjamin Bailey man, wasn't a big uh, bonus baby guy, but or does it play out pretty well that the guys that the White Sox are tabbing with the big your money are the guys who are the lead performers at least early on yeah so taking out you know like roberts and vera the guys that don't get paid millions but are in the like a hundred thousand six hundred thousand uh range kind of there um those guys are usually the guys that do better um but it is just honestly a crapshoot there uh just because you're sometimes finding people who are actually 16 years old mm-hmm. or even you have agreements when they're younger um, and then you just kind of sign them at 16 and these guys are 16, 17. Like this is basically, I don't want to say high school baseball, but uh, it's kind of like a combination of mm-hmm. that freshman high school team and varsity. And then you just kind of take the best players from both. And then yeah. you're having 22 year olds go against 17 year olds. And sometimes that's just hard to deal with for the 17 year olds who are a lot less experienced. Um, it's just, most of the, I think Gariman and uh, Quezada were both six figures. I think it was low six figures, though. Um, so they did bet much better. But, uh, again, they don't sign a ton of guys here. Um, and when they do, it's usually for cheaper after they've signed their top guy. Um, so it's just kind of a – it's not a great team. And there's a reason why yeah. they're one of the teams that don't have two. They yeah, I was, guys to field I was going to say, Darren, as much as I clamor, this is a clear talking point from the guy who doesn't know what he's talking about, that why don't the White Sox fill out the max yeah. number of teams well, they can? They because it's a very small, a very small investment, given what it could blossom into, even if it turns out trades, even if it turns out just reputation for your organization. But you, as we point out year after year, the team, their one team of 46 still isn't really any good. So a second team is going to be what, too bad? To, or are they going to have an A team and a B team? So the B team wins zero games and the A yeah. team like hold, holds its own. I mean, if some of this comes down to the White Sox as much as we always want to champion the drafts and say, oh, it's going to be great. And this guy's going to be terrific. That the White Sox still have not proven that they're very good at this. Certainly, I mean, I'm not even talking about it like a Tampa level. They're just, I, they're probably not even average when you look at their, their, their scouting that are drafting. Am I being too mean to the White Sox? No, I mean, <laughs> I mean, when you think about it, their top, you know, free agent signings, international free agent signings are Jose Abreu and Luis Robert, and that's fantastic. But then there's not really anything below that yet. 
they didn't have to guilty. think about that too much either. They're just like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Let me know yeah. We they were paid a lot for a reason. And they were <laughs> uh, like Luis Robert got the max. I think Jose Abreu was around for before there was a max, mm. but he still got paid tens of millions of dollars. Yeah. Like, you don't, that doesn't, it doesn't happen unless you're supposed to be very good. And obviously he was silver slugger and rookie of the year right away. Um, but when you go down from there, it's really been a huge gap. Um, cause you really can't think of many in between those two, uh, or going alongside those two. Um, and so now you've got Yolki Cespedes, Yolbert Sanchez and Norga Vera. That's kind of the next three and you kind of see what happens with them. And it's sort of the um, same but- thing. I mean, they're, they yeah. are picking these they're guys. They guys. want like, yeah, they want like veteran, uh, guys outside of the United States, which, which actually it's not a bad strategy at all. It's just, and I know maybe it has to be one or the other, and maybe I, I would see the logic in that, especially when maybe uh, Oscar, Oscar Colas is, is maybe, you know, next in line, Yeah, maybe. but uh, you'd like to still see, I mean, you, you, you still got to feel the teams. It'd just be nice if they could find guys. It's, it's not as if the White Sox always come to us and say, you know, we were going to sign blank, 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 these top 10 guys, but you know, they, they took more money because the White Sox would, t- if that was the case, the White Sox would not hesitate to tell us that because then we'd be like, oh man, they are really on top of it. If they could have signed the top 50 guys in the, in the Dominican league this year, they were on all of them. They don't say that to us, which tells you that they're not on it that way. And that mm, aside from just being able to go, oh yeah, this guy, Jose Abreu, who's just kicked ass for eight years in Cuba, let's get him. I'm not sure it gets much deeper or more skilled than that. And that that's a little... It's a little frustrating, even though the the top team is is so good now, it's still a little frustrating. Yeah. And again, some of that does play into the Benjamin Bailey not doing well and um, other guys not coming over and doing well right away. Um, But I mean, I guess you can count uh, Fernando Tatis as one of the guys they found, Um, but I digress there. Uh, Maybe we talking about a different, if he was still on the team, I don't know. Sure. You know, it's fine. We're just talking to each other now because everybody just shut it off after you mentioned that name. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, in case any of you are sitting at home listening or watching and saying, man, what? these guys are talking like for 40 minutes about the rookie leagues. And now we're talking about the Dominican league. What's up with that? Hey, listen, we got the top 100 prospect list coming. I guarantee you they're going to be Dominican guys in there. Of course, Nori Vera is going to be, who knows? He could be number one for all we know. Uh, but there'll be other guys. Uh, I, w- I would venture to think that in the top 100, uh, Garyman makes it and Gazada might make it. There's going to be some guys from the DSL there. Uh, we're going to inform you about them beyond just the way that uh, Darren Scratch the surface with them here in this podcast but uh there's some point to talking all the way down to the youngest 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 men in the system in part because there just isn't that much talent right now. <laughs> it's it's all in the major yeah. leagues and, and 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 they won one playoff game so hey, all right a good win <laughs> it was a good win uh okay anyway i guess we want to wrap this up we uh this would probably actually roll the credits on the uh five i guess official uh, end of year reviews. We didn't even think Darren would be here with us for this one. So it's just, this is like bonus Darren Black content. And aren't you all lucky for it? Darren and I are going to be back in a day or two uh, chatting up the system as a whole. We're going to take a look at what we might consider sort of the all-star team of the organization. So listen for that. And then really, we're going to finally let Darren sleep a little we don't even know. I don't know. Does the rule five get canceled if the winter meetings are canceled? I don't even know what's going on with that, but there may be something to chat about sooner than he thinks, but I'll make sure to yell really loud uh, to the other room and roust him up in plenty of time for him to do a little bit of studying for whatever the next podcast after this next one is going to be. But thanks everybody for listening to number 23 and uh, you know, 
keep uh, keep the playlist hot because uh, we'll have another one here in a, a day or two where we talk full system and hopefully don't repeat everything we've already said in these other five. Thanks, Darren. And we will be back with you shortly.